Hey, welcome to the Church Home Podcast. My name is Judah, and it is uh, with great excitement that I get to reintroduce to you a collection of sermons and messages we did 10 years ago entitled Jesus Is. And we endeavored to finish that sentence, to fill in that blank. And the journey began, and it really became my life passion and life mission. It became a book and a resource that you can still pick up. Also, you can find more of these talks on our YouTube channel. And if there's any way we can serve you, please look us up on Pastor Chat. And I hope that you enjoy these messages. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. I'm going to begin reading. It says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God. That's a great way to start a verse right there. God butts in. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good stuff? Ooh, that's good stuff right there. Now, go with me to the first book in the Bible, Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, and we'll begin reading here in verse 1. I'm going to read a portion of the story of Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's two sons. Genesis chapter 4, in verse 1, it reads, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said this to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? Key verse now. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin, this is the very first time we see the word sin used in all of Scripture. It is its first mention right here. God says to Cain, sin lies at the door. Our word picture here is of a crazed beast crouching at the door of your soul and your life ready to pounce. Sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. An amazing verse of scripture that we'll talk more about here in a few moments. I want to title this message, actually part four, an ongoing series. I title this message, Jesus is Alive. How's that for an Easter title? Very unique, I know. Jesus is alive. But he is, amen? Pray with me one more time. Will you, Father, thank you for these moments we share now, studying your word. We thank you for this beautiful, wonderful book. We ask, us, we ask now, Lord, that you would take us and, Lord, experience us. Lord, give us, grant us your presence in these moments now, not just information, 
or concepts and ideas, but really to know you and experience you and, and see Jesus. That's what we want. And Lord, if we can't have the Sacramento Kings, just give us one of the NBA teams. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. It's not looking good, people. It's not looking good in terms of the Sonics. We're going to have to make up a team. But uh, my sources tell me we may not get the Kings, but who knows? I believe in miracles. Amen? Anybody ever been broken into at your house? Anybody ever been broken into? Okay, we got a few people, all right, there at Alderwood, Belltown, UD. Ever been broken into? Uh, being broken into growing up as a kid was an annual event at our house. It was, it was actually pretty regular, and it was typically around the summertime. We later figured out, we were sure it was one of our neighbors who knew when we left to Sacramento to be to Grandma's house. We, we'd go to Grandma's house in Sacramento because she had the money. And... Um, it's a true story. But anyways, um, she paid for my clothes, my toys, whatever. I miss Grandpa Nick. He was, he was wealthy. God rest his soul. But um, so while we were gone, three summers in a row, I remember us getting broken into. The, the, the last vivid memory I have is at 10 years old, we come home from summer vacation and uh, walk in the front door. And all of a sudden, it hits you. That, that eerie feeling. Those of you that have been robbed, you know, it's an, you walk in, it's like, uh, uh, intrusion, invader. A stranger has been in my habitation, my, my safe place, my, my haven. I, it's a violated feeling, isn't it? I mean, you're walking around and stuff's been tossed and thrown about. And Now, you know you live in a bad neighborhood when they don't just rob you. They sit down at your kitchen table and eat your food, okay? No, I'm serious. These thieves had breakfast, lunch, and dinner at our house. I think they stayed for a few days, mom, tell you the truth. Uh, it was back when, like, my mom, like, made, she made our bread. She dried grapes and made raisins. You know, some of you don't even know that's where raisins come from. But it's cool. I mean, they ate my mom's raisins, man, okay? That's bad. And, uh... You know, curdled milk and old Cheerios left about. And it's like, really? You, you had to eat our food? I remember seeing mom uh, sitting down and she was, she was crying a bit because this particular uh, uh, thievery, this particular robbing, they had taken jewelry. Special, meaningful jewelry uh, of my mom's. And so I remember getting my piggy bank and walking in to mom and she's weeping. And I said, mom, I, I, I'd like to, to buy jewelry for you with, with all the money I have. That was a very tender child. <laughs> but it's not me. It's, it's about him. But um, <laughs> I told you this whole story to tell you how great I am. But uh, I remember going to bed like that night, you know, 10 years old, vivid imagination. And uh, it was just an odd feeling to think there's a, there was a stranger in my bedroom. My bedroom was very special, very unique. My dad had painted the ABCs across the, across the, the top of the wall in my room. I, I can do the ABCs for you right now, ABC to EFG. I mean, it's easy for me. It's not a big deal. Backwards, forwards, I can jump in the middle. It's, uh, again, it's not about me, but, but I'm sitting there reading the ABCs as I did every night, and, um, and I'm thinking, is he still here? Has he camped out in the deep, dark crevices of my closet only to come out at a convenient time when all the boys and girls are soundly asleep? I mean, a man, a stranger, an invader has been in my 
bedroom. It was tough to sleep. It was a real emotional feeling. It was a feeling of being violated. You know, the Bible tells us that sin is an invader. Sin is an intruder. Sin is a stranger that has come into your life and your space to rob and steal your real existence and experience on this planet. It was not God's original plan. Sin was not a part of God's equation. Sin came about because man was granted a free will. God did not design humanoids like Pinocchio. We do not have strings. We have free will choice. And we chose to go against God's perfect plan. And now we have all been affected. Sin has invaded the human race. And it is an intruder. And it is a thief. It's a stranger and a robber. And it's taking from us true life. I believe this. Now, before we go any further, let's answer a couple of critical questions. First of all, what is sin? What is sin? Great question. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. First of all, it says everybody's in on it. Everybody has this problem. And then it essentially gives us the definition in Romans 3.23. Sin is falling short of God's glory or falling short of God's glorious standard or not meeting the mark that's set by God. Simply put, sin is missing the mark. Now, the mark is not set by a governing body. The mark is not set by education. The mark is not set by cultural standards, convenience, or a whim, or your feelings, or your perspective, or your take on life. The mark is set by God. And sin is when we don't meet the mark. Now, some people think the mark set by God is like the proverbial carrot in front of us that we can never reach. And it's God's some, it's God's some sadistic plan that he has put out just for kicks and giggles in his heavenly abode. He sits back and kind of looks while we just clamor about trying to meet his mark. That's not it is all at all. God sets a mark because he wired us, he uploaded us, he designed us, he created us, and he knows what will bring us maximum fulfillment in our experience on this planet. So he sets parameters, he sets a goal, he sets a mark, he sets a standard. It exists. So if we will follow it, we will fulfill all of our wildest hopes and dreams, if you will. God is a good God and he wants us to have maximum fulfillment on this planet. What is sin? It's missing God's mark. Now, I suppose we could have asked this question even before we asked the last question. Is sin real? Is sin real? Now, obviously, you know my perspective based on the last couple of minutes here. I believe sin is real. But I would like to present to you that you should think the same. Is sin real? That's a really biblical wording in that question. Let's ask, is wrong real? Is bad real? Is evil real? Now, we're smart people because we live on the West Coast. But... We're still one of the brightest cities, Seattle, still one of the most educated cities in all the United States of America. Okay, we're very cerebral and we like it. So I'd like to appeal to your brilliance and say that actually to deny the reality of evil, wrong, or bad is to kind of switch your brilliance off. Friends, look around. Is there wrong? Is there bad? 
Is there evil? Well, of course there is. And if you don't believe there is, you need to have kids. Yeah. Wasn't trying to be funny. You... And not just one, because there are anomalies every once in a while. Then you have another one, you're like, oh, I'm not the parent I thought I was. And a third one, and you're like, oh my God, I am Satan. You know, I... I've said it before, but all I have to do is punch your mom, and you know there's wrong. You know there's wrong. We, we, we... Friends, we rate our wrong. What are movie ratings? Where did we come up with this? Of course there's wrong. I mean, the metaphors are endless. The illustrations are endless in our culture, are they not? Like I said, I got an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old. Okay? I'm an expert on the human condition. I watch it played out every day. And I also know why some animals eat their young. That's beside the point. Actually, kind of is the point. But and I was talking to somebody in Los Angeles recently. We had a Bible study down there, and they were, they were kind of considering the reality of sin. They wondered, is sin really a valid concept? And look, I don't want to insult your intelligence, and I certainly didn't want to insult the intelligence of this nice man in L.A., but, but look, here's the deal. Like I said, I got an eight, six, and a four-year-old. Um, they, they were born bad. I love them. Love them to death, but they're bad. And the Bible makes explicitly clear that we're all born bad. It's pretty obvious, is it not? Like, like my three kids right now, we're like, okay, they got to get good manners. You know, I'm just, I'm, I, I was raised that way, just good manners. You talk at the right time. You don't talk. You use the knife properly, not to pick your nose. You know, it's just like, okay, we got to learn good manners. So we're looking for a manner school. True story for our three little nuggets. We're going to get them into the manner school. Well, you know, there's no, you don't, you don't ever have to send kids to the anti-manner school. My gosh, I mean, you guys just fold the napkin perfectly, use the utensils, you're so nice, you're so sweet. We just need to, you guys get a little rebellious. We're going to send you the anti-manner seminar. No, nobody signs up to the seminar of how to be a jerk. We're all prodigies. We're all childhood prodigies. I mean, it is just natural. It's natural to be mean. It's natural to be sarcastic and divisive and envious and jealous and annoying. Do you know what I mean? I mean, do you ever just wake up just bad, mad, annoyed? I don't know. Leave me alone. And like, and are you like me? Like, sometimes I'm like, this feels great. I just love being ugly today. With my attitude and my, like, just, oh, it feels good. Shut up. Ah. I'm alive. You know, I mean, it's just, it's weird. But this is our real condition, folks. This is reality. This isn't just, you know, good public speaking. It is good. But this is, hey, this is, this is us. That's why the Bible says all have sinned. Hey, hey, there, there, there is wrong. There is bad. There is evil. And it's, 
in all of us. Isn't it? Now, another question I want us to ask. Is sinning, which we're all in on, is sinning really living? Is sinning really living? Now, you already know my answer. You're putting two and two together here. I believe sin's an intruder, a stranger. It's coming to rob and steal. So I'm working from the premise today that sinning is not really living. Oh, you can be breathing. You can have a pulse. You can be sucking in oxygen and and exhaling carbon dioxide. Oh, you can be very much a contributing citizen to society. You can have a heartbeat, but not be truly alive. I mean, look at the very first verse we read today in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. That verse is written to people with a pulse. That verse is written to people who are breathing. But it insinuates you were breathing but not alive. You were existing but not really living. It tells us that sin is just like that intruder, that invader, that thief, that stranger that comes in and takes from us our true fulfillment, existence, purpose, and meaning in this life. You know, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Which, of course, this is a profound statement because it tells us that sin, first of all, can be fun. Let's just establish that. That's why we do it. Like I said, sometimes it's awesome feeling to be angry. Okay? I have issues. I've broken a few clubs. And by the way, the reason I break clubs is because in the moment, it feels amazing. I feel awesome. I feel like the Incredible Hulk. Obviously, I need counseling. Don't judge me. You got problems too. So, back to the point. But in the moment, sin is like, it's like going to this extraordinary restaurant. And you order the best meal. And I mean, you're savoring every single last bite. It's like, wow, it's 4th of July in your mouth. And then the bill comes. And you're like, no way! Buddy, this is a date. I'm not even married to you. We should have gone to McDonald's. (laughs) Just as that's almost exactly how sin works. I mean, for a moment, you're savoring. Oh, this is fun. This is amazing. And then the bill comes. Sometimes the next morning. Hello. And you're like, no way was that worth it. And the Bible says, and when the bill comes, the wages, your very life. Oh, sin will let you breathe for a while. But make no mistake, it has killed you and is killing you. It will make you pay. So, if sin is real, and we all sin, what do we do now? What do we do now? If, 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 if you've actually started to maybe kind of sort of agree with what I'm saying, sin is real, we're all doing it, the next logical question is, okay, 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 all right, great, fantastic, I'm with you. What do we do now? Well, it's simple. It's not complicated. God told Cain to do exactly what to do. He said, Cain, here's the deal. 
It's not rocket science, buddy. It's real simple, okay? You didn't do good. I don't like your offering. It's not pleasing. It's not acceptable. Cain, why are you upset? This is logical. This makes perfect sense, buddy. Here's the deal. If you do good, if you do well, I'm going to be pumped. If you don't, though, here's sin. It's crouching at your door. It's going to pounce on you. Wants to rule you. But, oh, by the way, you should rule over it. It'd be a much better life. I recommend that. I highly recommend that. Okay, Cain, talk soon. (laughs) Okay. Well, God made it pretty simple, didn't he? If sinning isn't really living, but we're all sinning, what do we need to do? Well, it's pretty simple. Stop sinning. Guys. Come on. Stop being so mean. Stop being so selfish and, and, and envious and, and lustful and, 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 and jealous and, and quit gossiping and quit, quit being annoying. Just, just, guys, come on. Everyone stop sinning. Okay? Everyone try harder. That's what God said. Just do well. The problem is, my well runs dry. I can do well for a while. I admit, sometimes I can do well for even a little bit longer while. You get on a roll and you're like, I'm doing it. And then, like, are you like me? Like, you know, sometimes you can be passive aggressive. Like, oh, you know, it's like day two and you're just, you're on the well streak. You're doing good. You're going to try harder. You're going to be better. Maybe you're like me. You have a New Year's resolution in the middle of the year. Babe, I'll never do it again. I am not that man. I will never be upset like that again. I'll never raise my voice another day in our marriage. 48 hours later. My God, children. What's wrong with you? Sorry, babe. Are you like, I mean, like, I'll go on a streak for two days, and I am, like, doing it, but I'm holding it in, man. I mean, I am, like, someone who ate too much on Thanksgiving, and I'm sucking it in. I love you. Oh, babe, you're so beautiful. I love you. I love our marriage. I love life. I hate life. Ah! And also, just let your belly hang. We can suck it up for a while, can't we? But eventually, it's just too much. I got to exhale. I hate you, 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 and you. And if I never talk to you again another day in my life, I will be thrilled. God bless you. I mean, this is who we are, people. I love Easter, man. We all come all dressed up. Like, if we could only watch your journey getting to church. That's what I want to see. Can't find a parking spot around here. How do they expect me to go to church? Shut up, Billy. Just going to quote my memory verse, Dad. I don't want to hear it right now. Resurrection Sunday. Happy Easter, everybody.
I don't, I don't know what the big deal is. Like, it's totally simple. It's just, if sinning isn't really living and we're all sinning, what do we need to do? We just need to stop sinning, guys. Isn't it clear? Isn't it obvious? Isn't it evident? We just need to stop sinning. The problem is, God said to Cain, if, oh, that's a big if, if you do well. And he ends it with a little P.S. You should rule over sin. It's a big if, it's a big should. And I would if I could. <laughs> you should rule over it. I, uh, yeah, well, look, I, I can't. I don't know why we keep going around this same little pathetic mountain. This is the year I'm going to do better. No, you're not. Chances are you'll do worse. <laughs> I find that the, the harder I try, oftentimes the worse things get. Okay, so what, this is not really encouraging here on Resurrection Sunday there, preacher. Um, what can I do? Here it is. You ready for it? Just enjoy it. Might as well. Nothing. Yeah, absolutely Nothing. In and of yourselves, nothing. Sin's real. You're a sinner. It's stealing from you every single day, and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know if you knew, you're no match for sin. Haven't we learned by now? We've been around for thousands upon thousands of years. Haven't we figured out we are no match for our nature. Our nature is just really bad. What are we going <clears> to... <throat> so what are you suggesting? Well, um, we don't got much. We've got nothing in and of ourselves. But God. Ephesians 2 and verse 4. But God. All of the sudden... God butts in and saves the day. And then I love Ephesians 2, 4 says, but God. And then it says, okay, hold on a second. I'm going to tell you how he butted in, but let me tell you why he butted in. But God, comma, here's why he butted in. Because he's rich in mercy. That word rich means many, many layers. Endless to be exact. His mercy knows no end. Scratch one level of mercy off, there's a whole other level of mercy. Layer upon layer upon layer of mercy. His mercy knows no end. It's new every morning. God butts in because he's rich in mercy. God butts in because of his great love. Ooh, I love the word great before love there. It's not just love, it's great love. John 3, 16 says God so loved the world. He didn't just love, he so loved. He didn't just have love, he's great love. <laughs> because of his great love with which he loved us. Ephesians 2 and verse 4 goes on to say, with which he loved. Look now, this great love has a direction. This great love is towards something, someone, somebody. This great love has an object of its obsession. This, this, this great love has zeroed in on an entity, on a planet, on a person. This, this love is toward you. 
This love is toward me. Not because of you. Not because of me. Because of his great love. God is sinless. God is perfect. The only one with the power and resource to deal with the invader, the intruder, the robber, the thief, and the stranger called sin. And because of who he is, he does what he does. God did not look at humanity and say, there's potential there. If I invest a little bit, I'll get a return on my investment. That is not how God thinks, nor is that how his love operates. He needs no return, no reciprocation. He loved because he is love. His love was toward us. You know, his love is towards you no matter what. His love is towards you. You can't stop its towardness. His love is just always there, and it's always angled in your direction. It's always coming your way. It's always there, not because of what you've done, what you're going to do, or who you are, who, what you're currently doing. His love is just towards you because that's who he is, and that's how his love works. <laughs> this is why God butts in, because he's God. He's got so much mercy and so much love, and it's all leveraged for you. Wow. Verse 5 goes on and says, even when we were dead. There it is again. This is written to living, breathing people. They're breathing, but they're not alive. Even when we were dead in trespasses. There's that word alive. He made us alive together with Christ. I love verses 5 and 6 here. The word together is used three times. Made us alive together, raised us up together, made us sit together. Clearly, God wants to get together. Clearly, God is determined to get together with you. Clearly, God wants relationship with you. Clearly, this is not about religious routine, customs, traditions, and some ancient uh, habitual uh, act that we come and we perform, we put on on some Easter weekend. Clearly, God wants to get together. Clearly, God wants to know you and wants you to know him. This love is just not to, you know, make you feel better. It's because he wants to know you. Wants you to know him. God wants to get together. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Parent trap's always a good illustration. God wants to get together with you. What's the answer? God. Anything else? Nope. Just God. The only antidote, the only answer. And the only way you can be alive in him is not to earn it, not to deserve it, to warrant it, none of those things. What can you do? Nothing within yourself. But now that you've heard the news about God and what he's done for you through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, who was buried, died, buried, and rose again. Now, all we do is believe. Just believe. What, is, what does it mean to believe? Receive. Just accept. Okay? 
I can do nothing within myself. I can't earn it. I can't deserve it. can't warn it. It's just, it's there. His love's towards me. I accept his love that is so obsessed with me. I accept it. I accept that I am made right with God, not because of my performance, what I've done now, what I've done then, or what I'll do in the future. That's not it. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. He's taken my punishment. He's taken my place. The scripture makes it explicitly clear. He who knew no sin became sin for us on the cross that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That we might be made right with God. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You just accept it and receive it. And that simple belief of acceptance and reception All of the riches that are in Christ are yours forever. You belong to him. You are with him. And you are right with him. And you are forgiven with him forever. You know, oftentimes we think, man, people that don't know Jesus, they've got to receive him. But you know, the same way you're saved, simply trusting and receiving what Jesus has done, is the same way you continue to sustain and walk out your relationship with God. You know, even for us as Christians, we ought to perpetually and continually receive again what Jesus has done. Receive again. He's enough. He's my righteousness. He's my acceptance. He's my identity. He's my forgiveness. Again, I accept. I think even for Christians here on Easter Sunday, It'd probably be good for us to receive it again, to rehearse again, remind ourselves again, to trust, believe, and receive again that Jesus is indeed my righteousness, that I am going to be okay, that God is not mad at me. God approves of me and God loves me because now my life is hidden in Christ. Wow. News is good, you know. But let's remember what the news is. The news is not about your performance. The news is not about your pedigree, your background. The news is not about the God who came to establish rules and regulations. That's not really the news, friends. The news is not the man lived a good life and had great teachings. There was a great prophet once. That's not the news. The news is, Jesus paid the price. And he was the only one that could. God with skin and bone on. Came and became sin. That we might become what he is. Accepted, righteous, perfect before God. I was thinking on Good Friday. Thinking around the the story of the cross and ran into that thought in Matthew 27, 46, where it says, while Jesus hung on the cross, he mustered strength in his body and he used great volume to cry out to the Father. And in our English translation, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the Bible says he cried out with a loud voice. And I thought, why the volume? No doubt some of the volume was due to the excruciating agonizing pain our sinless savior was enduring on our behalf and our sins 
But why the volume? And then it dawned on me. Because the volume is supposed to speak volumes to me about what he's accomplished on my behalf. As Jesus hung on that cross, there was purpose. There was intention. He mustered every ounce of energy left in his dying body. And he cried out, My God! My God! Why have you forsaken me? And he wanted people to hear, didn't he? He wanted us to hear today. And when he cried out why, the only answer to why is for you. If the father would have audibly responded to the son's cry, he would have said for them, son. For him, for her, for them. I must reject you, my perfect sinless son, that I might accept them. This is the good news. That he died, he was buried, but he rose again. And when he rose again, our hope rose again. Our new life rose again. Our new way of living rose again. And now whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I am not bound by sin. That intruder, that invader, that stranger that came into my life, even at my first breath called sin, has now been conquered, has now been overwhelmed, has now been outdone, has now been covered and eliminated. And I am free from sin. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is made alive and is made free from sin. I'm not yelling because I'm mad. I'm yelling because I'm pumped. Yeah, this is the good news. <laughs> wow, how, how complicated have we made this over the ages? It's never been about rules and performance. And that's not our belief system. Our belief system hinges on the only one who could bail us out, and he did. And now all we got to do is, okay, I receive it. Everything changes. Oh, sure, it'll change your life. Oh, sure, stuff will start changing. But it just starts right there. And it's sustained right there. I receive you, Jesus. I did it again. But I accept the fact that you already covered my sin. Thank you, Jesus. See, we're not... Yeah, I got a smile on our face and a skip on our step today because we're on a hot streak. We're doing good. We're doing well. Friends, if your emotions are that fickle, it's going to be one wild ride for you. When it comes to Jesus, you have a sure foundation. All of a sudden, in your ups and your downs, you realize I'm forgiven. I'm accepted. I'm righteous. That's why, out of any people group on the planet, we ought to be the people group that's always expecting good things. That's always believing that our future is going to be extraordinary and exciting. (laughs) Our God is with us. Our God is for us. Our God loves us. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. It's good news, isn't it? It's the best story in the world. It's the best message in the world. Let me pray for you. 
just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed all over the city there at Alderwood, Belltown, U District include you in this simple prayer if you want to accept this Jesus receive this Jesus I want to uh, I want to pray for you all it takes is one simple moment of faith in accepting Jesus and you'll never be the same again just one simple moment of faith I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if you'd like to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I'm going to ask you to simply raise your hand. You know who you are. One, two, three. Just shoot up your hand real quick. Thank you. Hands all over. I'm sure hands are going up right now at UD and Alderwood and Belltown. Come on, church. Would you all just pray this? Pray with me all over the city. Say, Lord Jesus, here's my life yours from this day forward I'm yours I tried to save myself I tried to do good and I failed so here I am now declaring that I'm yours forever in Jesus name Amen